0: Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award winning podcast Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. Is there a burning desire within to share your creativity with the rest of the world? Do you insist on pursuing your passion by any means necessary? Then you are on an Excelsior journey, and you are not alone. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. My name is George Soroy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening to this show. It's been a great time getting to know all of these wonderful guests. And if you're interested in subscribing to the show, which I really hope you are, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and it's home base Podbean. There's a whole lot of great content that's already been made over the past couple of years I really, really hope you go ahead and subscribe. And if you're on Apple, please subscribe, rate, and review. Every little bit of word that you're getting out means so much to me, means so much to the podcast, and it means so much to these guests because they are so deserving of as much attention as humanly possible. Now, by the time you get to this, uh, this particular episode, this will be the second week of what they call national novel writing month and this is something that i've spoken about before many times and it's something that i always say that uh, this is a wonderful way for you to kind of get yourself into the process of writing because there is nothing better than giving yourself permission to write crap and then getting that word count going and figuring out your story as you go because you never know uh, what what winds up being at the end of at the end of that great thirty day tunnel? Um, now, when when you do this, there are so many people that uh, that are fully content on just doing the challenge every year and just having that fifty thousand word draft when it all when it's all finished. And what do you do when you reach that when you when you reach that mountain when you get to that thirty day goal and you have those fifty thousand words? Are you going to keep on going up that same mountain over and over and over again? Or are you going to strive for something bigger? And a lot of cases, a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll go back to that 50,000 word draft and they'll work, work with it and edit it over and over and over again until it's ready to go out to either agents or publishers or just putting them out onto the web themselves. Who knows? Uh, but... There are, some of, there are some people like my guest this week that not only reach that mountain, but then push themselves to go even further with their productivity. And I'm so thrilled to speak to our guest this week. Cam Robinson has a level of productivity that is beyond anything that I've ever known. And not only is she amazing with, uh, with getting these different projects up and running so quickly, but she is also a real pro when it comes to marketing, when it comes to getting the word out there, when it comes to basically guerrilla marketing and allowing, um, allowing some really great means of, uh, of getting the audience to really know her books, know her work and know her. Um, it's, it's been a real thrill watching her work as a marketer, as an author. And it's, uh, it's gonna be great to talk with her this week to uh, not only discuss her whole history with writing and marketing and everything that comes with that, but also to get some, get some tips along the way. So it's gonna be a real thrill for this conversation. And I am so happy to introduce to you K.M. Robinson. K.M., how are you today?
1: I'm good, thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
0: I am so thrilled to have you here too. And, and a couple of years ago, I was uh fortunate enough to be a guest on your show. So it's it's great that you finally that you were uh, we we're finally able to get the stars aligned to get you back over here.
1: I'm so excited we've had the opportunity to hang out on my show, we hung out at a convention together, signing books, yes. doing all the fun things and now I'm here on your podcast. So full circle for us.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And uh so this is uh, I, I'm really interested to know before we dive into your whole history to get you to talk about what, uh, what got you on this path in the first place. Tell us a little bit about what you're working on right now.
1: Well, I'm a young adult author and I write pretty dang fast, so I'm working on a couple of different projects at the moment. I'm known for my retellings, dystopian, sci-fi, fantasy type things, and so I'm spending my time focused on a couple of new retellings right now and a couple of really interesting dystopians, some of which I actually wrote at the very beginning of my career before my first book ever came out, and I'm revisiting, revamping, and I'm ready to get those out to the public, so I'm excited for it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So, and, and I, I know like, uh, you know, retellings is really, um, has really been your forte as long as I've known you. So it's basically sounds like what you're doing is you're basically giving yourself an opportunity to retell of older stories that you've written that you haven't, uh, that haven't really, you know, gotten out there into the public eye yet.
1: I absolutely agree with that statement i 'm definitely looking at those things I wrote back in the day and i 'm retelling them in a much better, more professional, more productive way. So I like that I get to put a spin on my very old work
0: awesome this This is going to be so much fun okay so um, so <laughs> let 's talk about a little bit about what I always call like the lightning bolt moment. We all have those we all have that moment in our lives where some where they experience something or see something or whatever and realize that uh, that they want to point in the direction of that and say that is what I want to do that is where I want to be what was that moment for you what got you on this path that you're on right now
1: interestingly it's kind of twofold I had a moment when I was very very young that came into play in the second part of this story but back in the day I had graduated college I was an elementary education teacher I was doing photography because I knew teaching would not pay my bills all the way. So I was doing photography. I started to work with a bunch of authors and I got back into the reading world. I was really excited about that. And I read through a series and I could not find another series to fill that hole in my heart. And so I wrote my own just for myself. It was just meant for me. And then I enjoyed it. So I wrote another one. Then I wrote another one, and then a friend of mine found out about it, and at that point, she kind of forced me to jump into the publishing world, figure out what I was going to do with querying, and I knew when I decided to write that story to fill that hole in my heart, I kind of wanted to kind of go along the lines of what that story had been, so the vibes of that story, the particular genre but then after that, I went back to my childhood. What else can I write? What stories do I need to tell? So as a child, I had read a story that was a retelling. It was where we looked at the villain in a story and realized the heroes had actually kind of changed history a little bit. They kind of lied about the villain, and the villain was not actually the villain. I loved this twisted take on it, and so All through my life, growing up from that point forward, I would look for where things could potentially be a little bit different. So for me, I was always very strongly pulled toward Goldilocks because of our hair color. And Mm -hmm. I hated that she would go to a house and she would just kind of set up shop and then run away when they showed up. I hated that version of the story. So when it came Mm. my turn to write, I was able to then take that twisted version of a story, which was the first retelling I had ever read. I didn't even know that that was a thing in the book industry. And I created Mm. my own version of it. So my lightning bolt moment there was from back when I was a very young elementary school student learning that this could be a thing. And then as an adult learning that I could write my own stories.
0: Very nice, very nice. And have you ever thought about uh, what you would have done had that friend not pushed you? Do you think like those stories that you that were filling the hole in your heart? Do you think that you would just kept them for you, or at some point did you they were going to make their way out there?
1: I never even thought that I could be an author. That was never a consideration for me. It was literally just for me to write for myself because I liked it. I always thought that there were so many barriers to get into the author world. I never thought it was a possibility. And so as an adult, I just... I didn't think I could make money. I didn't think I could get an agent. I didn't think I could get a publisher. I didn't think it was a consideration for me. So if she had not pushed me, I would have happily continued to write for myself. And that would have been the end of it.
0: Oh, man. So what was the what was it like um, when you finally like committed to saying that, like, okay, I'm going to do this. Let me just go ahead and sit down and see where it takes me. And what was what was that sort of experience like while you were really kind of getting into that first story that you knew was going to go out there?
1: It's interesting because by the time she found out what I was doing, I think I had three books under my belt. So I was in a position where I could very easily edit things, refine things, and jump into the querying world. So I started studying the publishing industry, started looking up really good agents and publishers that I might want to work with. I learned about the querying process and then I started putting myself out there with all three of those novels. So I had multiple things that people could be seeing. I participated in some of the Twitter pitching challenges, and I very quickly got a lot of attention. And so I had a number of agents, a number of publishers offer me contracts, and I ended up not liking any of them. And I turned them all down. They didn't have terms that I liked. It wasn't necessarily in my favor. I didn't necessarily love the companies, some of them that were reaching out to me. So I just wanted to make sure that I found the right home for each of my books, and I wanted to make sure I felt really, really comfortable, and I had an incredible publishing lawyer who also looked out for me when I was wondering if maybe I should take a contract. She was able to warn me that perhaps it's not the best fit for you, and thank goodness she did because things came to light later on, but I had to go through the process of meeting with them, having conversations, figuring out if it was going to be the right fit if we clicked as people, and where we had our ideas going for each particular story. And so I turned all those contracts down. And for an entire year after that point, I kept my writing to myself. Nobody mm-hmm. saw it. Nobody touched it. I didn't query. I didn't respond to people. And then I found the right fit. And that's when I was published.
0: Wow. Wow. So you you found that right fit. You got things, you got things moving in the right direction. So that mm-hmm. way you knew where that first book was going to call its home. Mm-hmm. What was, that, what was that experience like for you? Like once you got that, um, you got everything all set up, you everything all like aligned. Mm-hmm. What was that first one? You know, like tell us a little bit about that first book that you, that you would put out there. Was that the Three Bears one that you were, that you were yeah. working on before?
1: Yeah, my golden that, trilogy. Golden it's the golden trilogy it's my Goldilocks retelling where she was never naive she was sent on a mission and Dove Ver is her new target and that came out in March of 2017 and just three months later the first book in the jaded duology came out and that's because my right fit for the publishing world was not necessarily mm-hmm indie not necessarily traditional it was actually kind of a little mix of both it's a co-op where the company is acting like a traditional publisher to the outside world to fans it looks like it is a traditional publisher but on the inside Mm -hmm. we were all doing our own indie thing we kept all our royalties we made all our decisions we invested our money in our own books and it actually felt like a family because we were there to support each other and help each other. And we guided each other through the process, but we didn't have to give up any of our rights, none of our royalties. We got to make all of our own decisions. So for me, because I already had several books done and ready to go, I could move really fast with it. So Mm -hmm. we planned on three months apart, just so I could learn from the first one. And we just got everything ready. We got The editing done we got the formatting done i was able to design my own covers because i'm a cover designer and we Mm -hmm. put the book out in march and then we put jaded out just a couple of months later and it really was very interesting. So for a while at the beginning, I had new books out every two or three months. And then mm-hmm. as I started to write more, it got a lot faster paced. But it was a very good learning experience for me to have it spaced out a little bit so I could understand marketing and how to work with fans and how to build up a fan base. So for me, it was really a very good fit to learn and be able to grow within this industry.
0: So the, so the, golden, so the golden Trilogy, it comes out. And did it, do you think like, did it just hit immediately or was it just like a gradual build with, uh, with your fans?
1: Well, for me, it definitely took a little bit of time to build it up. People did take notice because it was a retelling, which is very, very popular in the industry, but yeah. it was a unique retelling. Everybody does things like Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty. Nobody does Goldilocks. Right. So Goldilocks got attention, which was great. But it wasn't until several months later I actually got picked up by BookBub, and they ran an ad. They featured me in their newsletter, and in within two hours of release, I had 27,000 downloads and 33,000 downloads wow. by the next day. So I wow. hit I hit number seven out of every book in existence on Amazon and number one in all of my categories. So that's now, was when that, I really that's,
0: that was that free or paid? That was free that was free. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Wow. Okay. So are you basically we're basically just kind of setting up book 1 as like the loss leader to, you know, let mm-hmm. that go out there first and then hopefully get the um have people that would uh that would eventually go ahead and get books 2 and 3?
1: Yeah, I found in this industry it's really really helpful if you have a series. This does not count for standalones, but if you have a series, putting the first book as perma free is amazing for your numbers because people don't have any barrier to entry they can grab your book for free and if they like it that's awesome they're gonna go buy the rest of the series and you're gonna make money but if Mm -hmm. they pick it up and they don't like it there's no risk for them it's not like they've just lost money on something that they don't like and it also helps because people who get things for free don't usually leave negative reviews nearly as much so you Mm -hmm. get the credit and you get the awareness for your free book and then they just through the entire rest of the series and your swag and everything else that you could possibly create for them. I found it works really, really well. And I do it for all of my longer length series. And it's just been really good for me.
0: Wow. So the, um, so, do you feel like you were basically just kind of like um, almost like setting yourself up for not so much like a disappointment, but just for the, um, for like a real good grind to have your books coming out at a certain pace right at the very beginning? So where, where the, where your, your readers are going to be expecting that kind of pace for, you know, like for everything else that you put out.
1: It's interesting because in this industry, a lot of readers have been burned by authors not finishing a series. And a lot of that comes from the traditional space where traditional publishers will put out the first book. And if it doesn't sell well enough, they simply won't do the second book or the third Mm -hmm. book or whatever it is. And so a lot of fans will not invest their time or money into a series until it's done. So as a writer, I always advise the people that I'm working with to create your, if it's indie, create your entire series and then rapid release it. If people know when it's coming out and they don't have a long turnover time, they don't have to wait a very long time, they're going to grab your first book as soon as it comes out and then they will very quickly pick up the second, third, fourth, whatever book that you have out. So rapid release tends to work really, really well. And if you do space it out, By a very long time, they probably won't grab your first book until the next one is out. So for me, rapid release has been amazing in terms of my book sale numbers and how much income I'm creating inside of my author life. So I do work on rapid releases and I try to put them out within a month of each other, but some Mm -hmm. authors do three months, some do six months. Some even do um, like shorter novellas every two weeks. So as long as you come up with a system and you can train your people to know when it comes out, the faster you get them out, the more money you're gonna make.
0: Mm. Very good, very good, uh, you know, food for thought there. Now, how, um, since the, since National Novel Writing Month is a 50, is the challenge is to create a 50,000 word draft of a novel, what is your typical word count for your books?
1: Um, so I'm a young adult. So I typically go between like 65 to 80,000 words per novel. And I'm in the sci-fi space more heavily than fantasy, which is usually a little bit shorter than fantasy.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, what, so talk us through a little bit about your process because, um, and, and how you started this, because, you know, like the, the sort of product, the sort of, um, pace that you have going with all your books right now, it feels like if someone were to try that right off, right out of the gate, then they would be like a weekend warrior, and they would just stumble right at the start, and then just completely, uh, be completely, um, you know, disinterested in go, going any further. So, talk us through that pace that you had at the beginning, and how you worked yourself up to where you are.
1: Okay. So for me, I definitely did not start out nearly as fast as I am right now. I definitely had to work on that. So when I very first started, I was writing in secret I was doing it late at night. I was sitting on my bed with my feet over the edge next to my desk and I would write for like an hour at night at 11 o'clock at night. It was kind of insane. And Mm -hmm. I did my first couple of books that way just because it was my own secret quiet time just for myself and it wasn't important to me. I didn't necessarily have a rhythm to it and I didn't have a set schedule because I wasn't looking at this through a professional lens. Once Mm -hmm. I started to determine that I was going to go this, the professional route, I actually sat down and I came up with a word count for myself that I had to do every single day, no matter what. Now, I Mm -hmm. honestly don't remember what that word count is because this was several years ago, but I figured out what I could do during the course of a day around my work. And so whatever that was, let's just say it was 500 words or maybe a thousand words, I would get myself comfortable with that rate and then force myself to do it every single day for one to two weeks. And as soon as I got comfortable with it, as soon as it became easy for me to create that word count in the day, I bumped it up. Sometimes it was by a hundred words. Sometimes it was by 500 words. Sometimes it was by a thousand words per day. And I pushed myself to go just slightly out of my comfort zone so that I could learn to increase my productivity. So I started with a lower bar and I built myself up. Now I'm a published author of three years and I write full length novels in nine and a half days from start to finish. I completely edit them by the next day. So within 10 days of starting the very first one on a book, I have it completely written and edited, and this is around running multiple full-time businesses, and I send it off to my editor, and if my editor's on top of her game, I can start to finish, have a book from the very first word to completely published, formatted, edited, and covered and in my reader's hands within two days of that first word. And that is not normal. Please do not compare yourselves to me, and please do not try (laughs) to be like that because it's crazy and it will not be healthy for you. But if you start with what you can do and you add 100 words and then when you're comfortable with that, add another 100 words, you can get up to a point where you feel comfortable and you feel like you are producing the quality of words that you want to be.
0: I'm sweating just thinking of that. <laughs> <Just kidding. That's, laughs> yeah. that, is just, that is just mind-blowing to me. You know, I'm, you're talking to somebody who has been... Um, you know, the last book that, uh, that, that was put, that, uh, was put out for the Excelsior Books Ever Upward, that took five years to get that in the, into the shape that it wound up being. Um, so yeah, my mind is just completely, you know, blown and, um, it's, you've actually been very inspirational to me to really kind of, you know, get myself back in gear and really kind of push my, um, push up, push up my writing productivity because it definitely needs to get done because- Uh, like you said, readers really kind of gravitate towards a completed series. And here I am ready to get going with book three of this trilogy. And, you know, it's, it's been, it's been a long time coming, you know, like this, this will be three years from the release of book two. So um, I was able to play with that and everything by really having the characters be older as a result of this. So, but still like, I feel like, um, I feel like once this, last book is done and it's the way that I want it to be, then things will hopefully really happen with these books. Um, so not only are, is your productivity incredible, but your marketing also blows me away. And it's all very organic. You're not just like, you're not creating, um, you're not you know just pasting like ads all over the place. You know, like you're creating a lot of really good interactive material. And I, you know, you've really kind of mastered uh, the use of marketing on social media. So tell us a little bit about how you got going with that.
1: It's really interesting because, again, I didn't set out to teach people social media. Now I teach entrepreneurs how to build profitable businesses through their social media marketing. It's something that I've taught myself how to do and taught others to do and seen really great success with it. But back in the day, I was an elementary education teacher who was not making enough money to pay off my student loans. So I jumped into the world of photography, something I'd been trained to do by my semi-professional father, and I started my own business. So I had to take a lot of business classes. I had to take some marketing classes. I had to learn the ins and the outs of how to survive by running your own business. And as I was doing that, I got into the reading world. And I started working with authors and they came to me and asked me to help them take photos of their books to promote their books. And as I was doing that, we ended up talking about marketing and I helped them because I knew how to market a business. And so at that point, everyone else in my life had noticed what I was doing. All of my photographer friends had noticed that I was helping with marketing. So they asked for help with marketing and I ended up creating my own talk show where I was helping people with their marketing. I did videos and trainings and tutorials and webinars and courses. And over the years, I've developed it into a business where I've worked with professional mermaids and authors and photographers, candle makers, all sorts of entrepreneurs. And I help them create thousands of extra dollars in their business through the marketing that they're doing on social media, which can't just be People screaming about buying your product. Nobody likes that type of marketing. So we work on a very organic, very real, very community based marketing plan for all these entrepreneurs. And it's really influenced the way that I interact with my fan base as well because we get to form a community, talk about the things we love. And oh, yeah, also I sell books. Maybe you should check those out.
0: <laughs> That's great. Now, I would be remiss if I did not, ju- if I just breeze past this, but professional mermaids.
1: <laughs> yes Tell us a little bit about this please <laughs> <laughs> well interestingly enough I had written a mermaid book series and as soon as I had released that I started talking about it on social media I put uh, photos of my books out I would do like live streams and different conversations about mermaids and because I was using the correct hashtags the mermaids found me And I discovered that there's a world of professional mermaids who do events and they do different trainings and just all sorts of amazing things. And I ended up collaborating with them. So I got to go meet them at a Renaissance fair. They had their giant travel tank that they swim in at these different events and different Renaissance fairs. It's the most amazing thing that you've ever seen. And I got to go interact with them. I did some on-location live streams. And because we had met each other at that point, because we knew each other and because they knew who I was, When they created a convention, a mermaid convention, they asked me to be one of their speakers. So I got to go and be on a panel with the man who created Disney's Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Secret of Nim, all all of these amazing things. And so we've become really good friends. I interview him all the time. But I had the opportunity to get involved with the mermaids through the Renaissance Fair and through my book. Then through Mm -hmm. the convention where I met the entire world of professional mermaids. And I started teaching them marketing. I've done many, many classes at these conventions for them. And yes, I do own a couple of mermaid tails and yes, you can see them mm. on my social media.
0: <laughs> Fabulous. Fabulous. That's a great, that's a great example of going where your audience is. You know, that's, that's what, that's what it seems like. It, like if, uh, if you have, you know, if you have a book that, uh, that has something to do with, um, that was inspired by Uh, different things like Star Wars or you know Star Trek you know like or other you know things like Babylon 5 um, different uh, different types of franchises you got to go to where those where that audience is because they're the ones that are going to see those similarities and they're the ones that are basically kind of clamoring for something that's new but at the same time different you know so like a like a a, an interesting take on what you know like um, on where that started so which brings me over to one of the things that I'm really uh, I've I've really been fascinated about. Um, so much of your success deals with retellings, um, and it's almost like it's almost like you're in the same sort of business that Hollywood is in right now, which is basically going back and remaking all these older products because there's already a built-in audience. Is that you know is that what kind of spurned you into going in this direction? Or is there something that you're able to, you know, bring to it? What was what was it about that? uh, What is it about retellings that really grabs you and makes you want to keep on, you know, creating product like that?
1: Well, you're absolutely right. Retellings do have a built-in audience. And so even though some genres do go out of trend or they go in and out of trend in the book world and with our readership, retellings are one of those things that will always be at the forefront of the industry. People love twists on things that we know. So for Mm -hmm. me, it's a very smart marketing decision. But It actually comes down to my love for the genre. I will read a retelling over anything else because it's something I know and it's a twist on it. It's something I didn't realize that I didn't know or I didn't understand from that original version. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of holes I feel like are missing in a lot of those original versions. And authors or content creators can fill those holes. They can show us things from a different perspective. They can put Mm -hmm. those twists on it. And I love seeing how creative people are to teach me that I didn't know that Cinderella wasn't this lonely little girl who wanted to go to the ball, but rather she's an assassin sent to murder the prince. I didn't know that Goldilocks was sent on a mission. I didn't know that Hansel and Gretel's witch was actually not a villain. She was actually working with them to assassinate the Mad King, and their plan fell apart, and she took the fall. I didn't know these things, but now I know, and now I learn. And so for me, it comes down to learning the real stories, and I love putting those twists on it.
0: Very cool. It's, it sounds a lot like um, when I was doing the second edition of the first Excelsior book, um, I was, I was thinking about like all these different things that I could really add to it because I had carte blanche from my publisher to make whatever changes I wanted to, you know, just kind of like, you know, touch up different things here and there, add some elements that I thought about putting in right right after the first edition came out. That's always when we're just like, ah, I should have put this and this and this in there instead. And one of the things that was really, that really grabbed me was uh, was Excelsior's sword because it was always inspired by Excalibur, but it was never, but it was just like, you know, it looked like it, but that was the sword that he used. And so I reached out to my editor and I, and I just said like, what if it really is Excalibur? And she's like, what do you mean? I was just like, well, we know, you know, like we obviously know Excalibur from the time with King Arthur. We don't know what happened before. We don't know what happened afterwards. So what if it's from this other planet? You know, what if that is, that was, and the different, the different, uh, thing, the different events that unfolded that got Excelsior over to earth, you know, like that's what led Excal- Excalibur itself there. And then I threw in the fact that, uh, that the Lady of the Lake is actually one of the, um one of the cronation races which is amphibious so that's why he's able to stay in the water and so it, that freed me up a lot you know like and was a lot of fun to really you know produce so there, that's one thing i really gotta i really gotta give it to the retellings you really get to have a lot of fun putting your own spin on these sort of things
1: Absolutely. I agree. It's really interesting because you have to work in the things that people know and expect, but you have to do it in a way that's really twisted. And you do get a lot of freedom, despite the restrictions of having to get those things that people know that they know that they know about the originals into your story. So for me, it's just pure fun and freedom.
0: Yeah. And I am definitely going to need to pick your brain on, uh, on, Coming up with like a really good sort of marketing strategy to really kind of get people to realize that you know that there are elements, of very familiar elements in this story that they need to, um, they need to be made aware of, which would hopefully kind of spur them into you know taking a chance on it. Um, so, so out of out of all the books that that uh, you've you've done so far, how many are there actually? Like at this point, you know, start you know, like um, I'm sure. By the time the listeners hear this, you know, there's going to, there's going to be quite a, quite a few more, but, um, but, you know, so we'll say that, you know, like whatever, whatever amount you have right now in mid-September, just add a couple more to that. And that's what (laughs) November. So what's your, uh, do you know, like off the top of your head, like how many you've already, you've already sent out there into the world?
1: Well, let's say that I am the queen of surprise drops. So I definitely have some things in the works that will be coming out. But I right now have over two dozen books published and quite a few waiting for me to put them out. So we're going to have quite a few in the next couple of months.
0: Nice. And they're all novel form or are they all like, are some of them novellas as well? or?
1: Some of them are novellas. Yes. So I've got my series that are novel length. I have some standalones that are novel length and then I've got some novellas which are a bit shorter than novels and I've got some novelette series as well.
0: Nice. Nice. So, so recently you've uh, you've taken the plunge into a whole other world of social media. One that, uh, that a lot of people are very kind of iffy about whether or not they want to dip their toe in and that's TikTok. Um, So, and from what I've seen, your numbers have just skyrocketed, you know, in terms of, in terms of interaction, in terms with, uh, you know, getting a brand new crop of readers that you didn't have before. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, I have to say, as a professional social media educator who helps entrepreneurs build their businesses through social media, I have an absolute love and respect for the social media platforms. I live and breathe social media. And when I discovered TikTok, I thought it was the weirdest thing ever. And I had to really study it. I had to spend three hours one night learning about what TikTok was, and then I got it. And as soon as I got it, it became my new favorite out of all the social media platforms. It is my favorite. I cannot stop talking about it. I'm dragging everybody onto the platform. It has the best unchecked organic reach that I have ever seen, even since the beginning of Instagram before the algorithms. It is yeah. so incredible and so freeing because everybody gets the same chance. It's amazing. So for me, TikTok has been really fun. And I started a little over a month ago. I think it's been a month and a half that I've been actively using TikTok in my business. Mm -hmm. And I've gone viral multiple times. We're talking like 30,000 views on a video in a day. We've done all sorts of really cool things. And it has really sped my numbers up it's gone really, very quickly for me. And none mm-hmm. of my fans followed me to TikTok. So everybody that I have on TikTok is brand new to me. They're just meeting me for the first time. And I've seen a significant increase in my book sales. I am getting dozens of people signing up for my newsletter every single day. And I am not promoting that outside of, I'm not even promoting it in TikTok, it's just in my bio. So these people are actively coming to search me out in my newsletter, on my website. They are looking for me on social media simply because I'm creating fun content on TikTok. And a lot of it's educational. I am spending a lot of time answering author questions or aspiring author questions. I am talking to them about whatever it is they want to talk about in the book world. And occasionally I mention that I'm an author. Occasionally I mention that I've got books. Sometimes I show off my books, but really it comes down to them just loving on the content. So I've actually started some interesting series. I've started some trends or well, I'm working on starting some trends in the book talk version of TikTok, and it's going really, really well. So we're getting a lot of people involved, and they're bringing their friends. And it's just every single day, things are moving a little bit faster. We're getting more so, followers, and it's growing. And it's amazing. So you're talking
0: about book talk. Is that you know the is that the hashtag of choice that you want to put on there for you know like any sort of any sort of book promotion that you have you know for um, for your videos.
1: So when it comes to the social media platforms, there tends to be a book section or a book niche within them. So on on Instagram, it's bookstagram. They're pretty pictures of books. On -hmm. YouTube, it's booktube. People are talking about books, book reviews, all those things. And on TikTok, it's booktok. So Mm -hmm. booktok is a great one to use, but interestingly enough, hashtags are not the most important thing on, on TikTok. Hashtags train the algorithm where to place you but everybody ends up on the for you page everybody ends Mm -hmm. up in front of people so it doesn't really matter where your hashtags are because people aren't searching for your hashtags the hashtags Mm -hmm. are specifically to train the algorithm and once you have it down they're not even that necessary I still use them but I don't have to be so yeah use book talk that's gonna get you in front of the right audience but also use some other book niche things writer things uh, reader things book nerd things all those things that will help you get to the right audience but yeah.
0: yeah, hashtags are
1: fantastic, but they train the algorithm here.
0: So so a lot of a lot of what's on there. It's you know, it's either, you know, dances or lip syncs or, you know, like different things like that. And you only have two different options of videos to go on there. You have 15 seconds or you have 60 seconds. So um, obviously the shorter the video is, the more the more chances you, you have for getting in, in front of people's in front of people's faces. So. With that in mind, what you know, like what are a couple of tips that you would recommend for people that, you know, just want to get going on TikTok that, that have a book to that have a book to sell, but at the same time don't wanna just go like here, buy my book.
1: Yeah. Please don't ever just say, buy my book or look at my book. You should buy my book. You should read my book. That is going to turn people off and they will not come back to you. So when you jump onto TikTok, you want to make sure that you're aware of the algorithm. The algorithm is consistently changing. We always have those constant changes within how long your videos should be. And right now, right as we're recording this, the ideal spot is between 12 and 17 seconds for a TikTok. Mm. And your key here is always going to be watch retention and how many times they watch it over. So if you can create a video that kind of seems like it's looping. It doesn't seem like it really has an end. They're going to watch a little bit longer. You get a little extra watch time. But you want to create a hook within that first second of your video, you have three seconds in any place to get people's attention. So you have to have a really strong hook. On why they should stay and watch your video. You have to make sure that you look professional. You know, you want to be aware of your lighting be aware of your sound. It doesn't have to be professional equipment, but just be aware that people can see and hear you. And then you mm-hmm. want to grab their attention with something that's going to make them stay. So do you want to hear about how Goldilocks wasn't actually a That's a hook. That's a way to get mm-hmm. them there. Or have you seen this book. Have you seen this or are you a fan of the dystopian genre? Pull them in Mm -hmm. with something related to it and then you can show off your book if you need to. You can chat about your characters. You can chat about your author life. Whatever you want to do, you just have to have a conversation with them. So if you can create conversation within your TikToks, that's going to get people to pay attention to you. So ask them questions that they can answer in the comments or do something to connect them to people. And you're going to find that the ones that you don't think will go viral are the ones that will go viral. And the ones that you put a ton of time and effort into, and you really think it's the best thing ever, will not do as well as some of the others. It really just Mm -hmm. depends on who's available at the time that you're posting it and how they're interacting with it, which will trigger that algorithm to either send it out to more people or to less people. So get a hook, talk to people, answer questions. And if you need help, please feel free to go to my page, look at what I'm doing and do that. Because that's yeah. working. Now, go ahead, feel free, take my ideas. I'm cool with that.
0: So with the so when you start on TikTok, when you're just starting off with the videos, obviously, you said that, you know, like hashtags aren't needed right now based on you know the amount of work that you've put in. But uh, for those that are just starting out, are they still going to put in the for you page um, hashtag in there right at the beginning, or just forego that so altogether and focus on the um, focus on the more centralized ones?
1: When it comes to hashtags, it used to be the more you put in, the better. But now it's actually not. We know that the algorithm is spitting out your content evenly throughout your hashtags. So you mm-hmm. could either use three to five really good niche down industry hashtags to get in front of the right people or you could just Mm -hmm. flood your caption with those hashtags and leave out the valuable content which is your actual caption we recommend Mm -hmm. that you have a very valuable caption that has a question in it to get people to answer it and respond in your comments which will bump up your algorithm standing three Mm -hmm. to five hashtags and these should be niche down now you do not want to use the big trending hashtags so don't use things like FYP don't use for you page don't use even some of the trending challenges unless you're actually doing that you want to make sure that you have niched on things because think of it this way if your video is being kicked out evenly among these videos you are then going into the pool with all the other videos that have that hashtag so if you use hashtag fyp you're now going into a pool with millions of other people using that hashtag and you're only going to get seen based on how many million people are already in that hashtag, it's going to cut down your reach. But if you use yeah. those niche down hashtags, something like BookTok, maybe you're only competing with a couple thousand other videos as opposed to millions and millions of other videos. So the more narrowed down you can get that, the more you're going to be seen, not only by people, but by the right people who will then subscribe to you. They will keep following you. They will keep interacting with your content. That's going to build you up a lot faster.
0: Nice. Okay. All right. I am... Definitely taking that to heart as, as well, just to, just to make sure that when the time is right for me to really kind of push my books out, you know, like on, on that platform that, uh, that I'm, you know, I'm somewhat prepared for it. And I hope that, uh, that all of that, all of you out there are doing the same. So with this in mind, um, so what is it that you would, uh, would, you would recommend like one, what's one real valuable tool that you feel that, uh, that if you, if you have this, you know, like, if you have this going for you, then you should be okay in this field because it's, you know, we are, you know, like not obviously like we're all kind of rooting for each other, you know, for their, for success. And we all want to help each other. Um, But at the same time, it's very, very easy in this field to get lost in the shuffle. So like, what's one thing that you feel that, uh, that somebody should, if they have this, they have it, they have it to somewhat of an advantage.
1: If you can create community, then you will win. If you can create, and it doesn't have to be around you, the content that you're building, your books, it doesn't have to be around what you like. It just has to be community for the people you want to surround you. So even if you are an aspiring author and you don't have anything published, or even if you don't have products to sell, or if you don't have whatever, you can still create that community. And you want to build it around what you're going to need later on. So if you are a dystopian author, build a community of dystopian lovers. Talk about books other than yours. Talk about things they're going to like and start conversations. If you can yeah. build that community and those conversations, they'll be there when you're ready to sell to them.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's, I've, I've always been like very hesitant to, to do that sort of thing because I always feel, and this is just my own, my own wiring in my head. I always feel like whenever I am bringing in like a lot of people to start up a conversation that I feel like at, they know that at some point I'm going to ask for something and that's when they tune out. Um, have, you, have you had that sort of experience where you feel like that's, that's, what, uh, that's what people are gonna say or do you just go for it and see what happens?
1: You know, there will always be people who will think you have an angle and there will always be people who think you're trying to be slimy about stuff and build this up for your own good later on. That's always going to happen. But mm-hmm. more than that, you will have a wider audience who likes what you do. And if you mm-hmm. go in with it with the intention of not eventually pitching them, but of just building relationships, friendships, and connections, you're going to be a lot more honest about it. And it's going to come off as a lot more honest to the people viewing you. So, Yeah. There will always be people who will accuse you of things, who will think things of you, but those people aren't your audience anyway. They're not Mm going to be there when the time comes, and it doesn't matter because you will find your tribe. If You can build your tribe right now. They're going to follow you through, and there will be some people in your tribe who just wanted the conversation. They don't want to see your book a year from now, and that's okay. Mm They don't have to stick around, but enjoy them while they're there. Just have that conversation, have that community, and build up and enjoy what you've got right now without worrying about what is going to happen in the future.
0: Now, with that in mind, you have uh, at this point all of our, you know, like our listeners, or at least some of our listeners, um, are hopefully engaged in National Novel Writing Month. So by around this this time, they're almost like around like the halfway point of their story. Do you feel like that's the time to start cultivating the, uh, the community and start building it up? Or should they wait until they have like a more concrete product that they're ready to put out there?
1: Well, let me be very clear about this. When you are writing, if you start to talk about your writing before you have a buy link, you are shooting yourself in the foot because people will be very interested in your book. But if they can't buy it, By the time you finally get it out, they're going to have Mm -hmm. forgotten about it. Or they'll think that you already put it out, and then why are they going to bother? There's no rush to get to it. So I strongly advise my students, my friends, my clients to not speak on the projects that they're working on until there's a buy link, until there's an assurance that that book is going to come out. Now, that said, you should 100% be creating your community now. There is no time like right this very second to start your community. So if you are, let's say, an aspiring author, or maybe you are an author who's working in NaNoWriMo, this is fantastic. You work on your book, and you stay in your lane with your book, but you don't need to tell the public about it because it's not ready for them yet, and you don't want to lose that audience. You want them to be ready for that. But now is the time to build up that community. That's gonna hype you up. That's gonna help you to write faster, better, stronger. It's going to encourage you and inspire you. And yes, it will build your fan base for when you're ready. So start your community now. If you're writing a fantasy novel, start talking about other fantasy novels that you love. Things that you've already read or things that you're reading right now. Ask for recommendations. You should be studying this industry anyway. So when you get out there and you ask people what they love in this industry, you will be able to study that as well. And then that's going to help you market your book a lot better when the time comes. So I don't advise for anybody talking about projects before a project is ready to be taken public because it's going to cost you in the long run, but absolutely start building your community for it right now.
0: So while they're building the community, while they're talking about the genre that they're in, what they should not do, just to reiterate this, what they should not do is say, and, you know, like, I'm writing this book, like, showing, you know, letting them know that it's in progress, but at the same time, um, they're still, you know, I mean, everyone's always saying that. Like, they're, work, they're working on a book or thinking of a book or I should write a book or whatever, but it seems like it's a much more valuable thing to say is I have written a book, mm-hmm. or I am about to release this book. Mm-hmm. It feels like um, I think it was uh, Dorothy Parker who said, "You know, like I loathe writing, I love having written." And <laughs> that's, that's that's one of the that's one of the things that I always really take to heart because a lot of times this whole this whole process is a slog. You know, can be you know if it if it really gets to you. Um, you know, obviously, like you've been able to get through that in a really great productive way, so I really hope that a lot of uh, I really hope that a lot of the listeners are really taking your advice to heart here um, so definitely so just to reiterate you know definitely not talk about what you're working on right now and just kind of save that up for when you're ready to let people know that it's coming out
1: that'll create a lot more hype when the time is right when you're ready to release it, when you're ready to have it out in the public. When you can all of a sudden talk about it, it's going to be really helpful. And just as an example from my life, I typically don't talk about the projects that I am putting out. And I have found that when I put a book on pre-order and it's out for a couple of months on pre-order, I get attention for it, but it is nothing compared to when I surprise drop books. If I write a book and I have everything ready, and then all of a sudden I come out and say, surprise fans, there's a brand new book. It's available for you right this second. I always hit number one in all of my categories that day because it's a surprise and there's so much enthusiasm for it. But if I had been talking about that for months or for Mm -hmm. years, because we know how long that the industry takes to actually put books out there. If I've been talking about it for that long, people aren't going to be enthusiastic about it. They're not going to care. They have waited so long for it to come out. Why on earth would they rush to get it now? So if you can build that up and really hold that in, the shorter time you can market it, the more traction you're going to get with it in most cases.
0: Oh, that's so cool! All right, so that's, so where can where can our listeners find you on social media? Obviously, you're all over the place, but where exactly you know can they can they find you? Where can they hope to engage your services?
1: They can hang out with me at kmrobinsonbooks.com and at kmrobinsonbooks on all of the social media platforms.
0: Nice. So you got so you got that hash that. Um, that handle for like all of them for twitter facebook everything's the
1: same makes it easy to find linkedin as
0: well yeah excellent that's fantastic so um what parting words do you have to say for the listeners what is that one thing that you feel like um that they should they should take with this and run with
1: You will grow stronger as you go. You just have to take the steps to teach yourself to do more, to do better, to do it faster, to do it stronger. Your beginning is not what your middle or your ending is going to look like. So if you're stressed, if you're struggling now, if you feel like it's something that's not attainable for you, it is. You just have to understand that it's going to take a little bit of work a little bit of a determination and you have to discipline yourself to get that done in a way that makes you feel comfortable. Anybody can get to this point. You just have to be willing to put the work into it and have the faith that you can do this. And there's great people in the community who will be there to cheerlead you on. And I can't wait to see what you guys are going to do because I know as you're sitting here writing for NaNoWriMo, You have incredible ideas. Your characters are doing so dang well. You're being absolutely vicious to your characters if you're anything like me. (laughs) And you are going to pull out a really cool book. And as soon as you finish writing this, edit the heck out of it. And then Mm -hmm. take your next steps, whether you're going traditional or indie. I can't wait to see what your books are going to be. You totally got this. Just take it one step at a time.
0: Absolutely. All of you. I really, really hope that uh, that you've been able to take as much out of this conversation as I have. Just by all means, everything that Cam said, you know, is dead on accurate. All you have to do is just keep on pushing yourself to keep on trusting yourself that you are going to get to that level. And it doesn't have to be the sort of level that Cam is at right now. You know, like it may seem unattainable, but if you just keep on pushing yourself to finish this challenge, this challenge right here, this 50,000 word draft, the one that you are working on right now, you focus on getting to that. And as soon as you get to that challenge, as soon as you accomplish it, then start thinking about what comes next, what comes afterwards, and how can you keep on building yourself and how can you keep on making yourself better? That is the perfect example of an Excelsior journey. That's exactly what Cam Robinson is all about. That is what this show is all about. And I hope that everything that she, has, uh, that she has given you, you have taken, you are running with, and you are using it to get yourself better. And I hope that you're saving all of this info for December 1st, and on because remember this journey does not end on november 30th when you have a 50,000 word draft in front of you you are going to want to do something with that it's not just going to go into a drawer it's not just going to go on the file on your computer you are going to want to do something with this at some point you're going to want to show this to the world and everything that she has taught that that she has learned everything that she hopes to teach you everything that um Everything that goes into getting a book out there, it is all there, it is all attainable, and it is all worth it. So for K.M. Robinson, this is George Saroy saying to all of you, Ever Upward, and I will see you next week. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. If you've never been an Audible customer and want to see what they offer, just go to www.audibletrial.com/excelsiorjourneys and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title for free, and start listening. It's that easy. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. And with this free 30-day trial, you'll have your pick of it all. You can hear books of all genres narrated by Jim Dale, Stephen Fry, Will Patton, Alex Hyde-White, Jeff Brick, Neil Shaw, William Demerit, and even a few by me, George Soroy. So go to www.audibletrial.com slash Excelsior Journeys and start your own 30-day journey with Audible today.